Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. In any crisis, we generally get to see the best and the worst of human behavior. Some are able to overcome the challenge by devising effective strategies and taking appropriate action. Others either surrender to failure or use the crisis for nefarious purposes. On the local level, the majority of folks usually will recognize the need to find a reasonable solution and move forward as long as the outcome is generally favorable. In our severely divided nation, however, every crisis becomes a tool to advance a political agenda. The COVID-19 epidemic is a medical crisis that should be solved by physicians based on sound medical principles. Instead, it became a political epidemic that threatens the physical and economic health of our fellow citizens and the survival of our nation. As a novel virus, the medical effects of COVID-19 on patients was not known. Ideally, public health physicians and virologists with experience treating pandemics should have been consulted to acquire medical facts as quickly as possible. This knowledge could then have been used by government officials to create an effective strategy to limit disease spread and protect the most vulnerable with limited collateral damage. Unfortunately, The physicians and bureaucrats in agencies like the World Health Organization, the CDC, the NIH, and various universities were too busy with their own political agendas to prepare to combat the pandemics they were formed to prevent. When you add a biased and unreliable media that routinely ignores or distorts the facts to serve its own collectivist agenda, The inevitable result is a public hysteria based on political lies instead of medical facts. As we now take stock of the destruction of our economy and national psyche, serious ethical questions need to be answered. For starters, where does government get the authority to illegally repeal portions of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights that protect our individual rights? Was it morally acceptable and really necessary to destroy the lives and livelihoods of over 40 million Americans? How do we repair the damage caused by the onerous and arbitrary restrictions placed on us by state governors acting as petty tyrants? And so important right now, 
How do we reopen our schools so that our children can resume their education in a normal school environment in a safe and effective manner? Fortunately, my guest on Freedom Forum Radio, Dr. Jane Hughes, herself a physician, an ophthalmologist, an eye surgeon in private practice, seeing patients in an office setting herself, will share her wisdom with us after this brief. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. You're absolutely right, of course, uh, Dr. Jane Hughes. And again, it's a a privilege and an honor to have you back again. I, I enjoy talking with you, and your opinions are really valuable. As a practicing physician, you see people in an office setting. You get to talk to them, interact with them, and uh, that gives you that in-touch information that really means so much. You know... Well, thank you you very much, Dr. Dan. I appreciate that, and you know as well as I know that every physician in America had virology, epidemiology, and we have a certain baseline understanding of infectious disease. Well, you mentioned something that obviously is on everyone's, everyone's thoughts now and probably one of the most important things that we can discuss is how do we reopen our schools so that our children can resume their education in a, in a normal school environment in some kind of an effective and safe manner. What are your, what are your, what are your thoughts on that, your guidelines, and just trying to help give us a blueprint on what you feel is a reasonable way of achieving that. I think uh, that it's on everyone's mind as it should be. And, you know, of course, we have to ask ourselves, is school an essential service? And I think the overwhelming answer is, of course. And then we have to ask ourselves, how do we open schools uh, so that they're safe for students and teachers? And I think, first of all, everyone needs to understand that there was a fabulous article in the Wall Street Journal on June 6th And it was entitled, America's Grand Experiment with Remote Learning Fails. So I'm going to put in my pitch right here and now, and it's the same thing the American Academy of Pediatrics has said. We must open the schools full-time in person. So how, how are we going to accomplish this? Well, we don't have to start just from scratch. We have some excellent data, especially coming out of Denmark. And there's one from a study from Dresden, Germany, from Finland, But let's just focus on the study from Denmark, and people can Google that. 
They opened their schools on April 10th with some added, the uh, desks were put like three feet apart and uh, stepped up hygiene in terms of uh, washing hands and uh, uh, public health measures that were reasonable. And they kept meticulous records on the children, the teachers, and the community. And what they found up to about three weeks ago was there was no uptick in children cases, there was no uptick in teacher cases, and there was no uptick in community cases. And as a matter of fact, the cases have continued to drop. And of course, across the board, the death rates have continued to drop. So the bottom line is there is no public health reason why we should not open our schools in person full-time. Our children already missed a third of last year. My One of my grandsons, was a junior, was taking physics and calculus. He missed a third of the year. He's not going to get that back unless he takes it in summer school. And little children have lost about 50% of their math skills and about 30% of their reading skills, and these aren't my statistics. So there should be a strong push. So what are we dealing with? What is holding us back? It's fear. It's fear on the part of the administrators, the teachers, and the parents. And there was a fabulous speech that was made by a, a, a physician called Dr. Uh, Mark McDonald, and he did it to the Orange County uh, School Board. And what he said was, and he's a pediatric and ad- adolescent psychiatrist, and what he said was, you know, as parents, we have fear. The first day we drop our kid off at kindergarten, when we let them go to a way camp, when we let them pull out of the driveway the first time with their driver's license. But as adults, we know we can't keep them safe from everything. And we have to mitigate our fear and the risk versus what it will do for our children. And his statement was so wonderful. He said, it is clear we must reopen our schools or we risk an entire generation of traumatized young adults who are socially fearful, hypochondriacal, and ill-equipped to move through life with independence, confidence, and courage. To me, the risk of not opening the schools compared to what we, what we can gain by opening the schools uh, is an unequivocal, we must do it, we must overcome our fear, we must do it in a reasonable manner so that we can all feel comfortable that the 20 and unders don't get it. If they get it, it's mild. The 50 and unders, again, are safe from dying from COVID if they get it. And then let's not forget hydroxychloroquine. Why not prophylax the teachers? It's a benign thing. Two pills twice a day for two days and then one pill a week. You know, there are certain... Uh, other aspects to this, and, and you, you've stated this case, by the way, Dr. Hughes, so very well. Uh, education is essential. Uh, we can debate the quality of the education uh, from now until whenever, but it's not—it's not just the quality of education. It's—it's it's children being together that socialize yeah. them, that allow them to interact with each other, and to get learning in person from a teacher who's there in front of you. That humanizing force is critical to the psychological development of children. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Our children have been devastated sociologically, academically, 
and psychologically, and anyone who is a parent like I am and a grandparent like I am, uh, and who sees patients uh, age 4 to 104, I can tell you that our youth have actually been very traumatized by this, not to mention academically behind as we start the school year. You know, what's interesting is when you start looking at uh, homeschooling uh, as a, in a national sense, there are some enormous risks and pit, pitfalls. Now, I personally live in an area where there are a lot, there's a lot of homeschooling. I live in a very rural area here. We have many, many parents in our county alone. There's over 400 kids who are homeschooled. But these are parents who have dedicated themselves to schooling their kids. Uh, They get together on a regular basis. There's one day a week when the homeschool children get together for a common common group lessons on various things. And the parents have gone to all lengths necessary to make sure that the curriculum that they use are complete uh, and they have that kind of relationship with their children. The problem is, is when you close schools in the cities, most of those kids, many if not most of those kids, are not in homes where parents can provide that type of quality education. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And when we talk about political motivation, when you are, uh, first of all, the lower socioeconomic uh, children who don't have uh, the uh, luxury of having parents who can stay home. They need, there are two income families, or a lot of times one income families, and so there's a political motivation for those who really want the economy to be bad until after the election. Uh, there's that sort of a drive to say, oh, it's not safe. Use the children as an excuse to keep schools closed because that's going to keep a certain number of parents home. Uh, number one. Uh, but number two, there are examples all over the country, like one of our school districts, even though children were given tablets and Wi-Fi connections, 30% of them never logged on. So remote learning is not uh, even remotely, excuse the pun here, a possibility for especially uh, elementary school students. There's an additional factor, of course, is that schools are a place where children at risk are identified and where many children are getting their only hot meal of the day. I mean, now, if you don't have open in-person schools, those those kind of children are definitely falling through the cracks. Well, and let's not forget also that schools are where we learn a lot of our social skills. It's also where we learn tolerance. It's also where we're exposed to people who are different colors than we are, that have different uh, ethnicities than we do. Uh, and it's where we learn self-control in an environment that isn't just in our home. So I, I think we can unequivocally say it's necessary. Now, we need to get adults to do the right thing. And those parents who don't feel comfortable sending their children to school, then fine, they can homeschool. But don't allow someone else's fear to dictate your risk assessment. 